There is always room for a story that can transport people to another place. J.K. Rowling I'm speeding with my bicycle along a dirt road with a toy in my hand. I'm excited because we weren't just speeding, we were on an adventure. Vivid imagination can be a blessing. This is going to be an awesome memory for my rhino, or was it an elephant? Can't remember anymore. But what I do remember is how the ride ended. Back then, me and my cousin had these small plastic toys that we gave experiences to. And then we competed which one had better ones. So which of us did more exciting things? I was so caught up in the moment of giving my small plastic toy a new experience that I didn't see the incoming thorn bush. Vivid imagination can also be a curse. Certainly, my toy got a new experience that my cousin didn't have on hers. I didn't even pierce my eye. I think I got away with the puncture. So, worth it. Episode 2 Seals, Huts and Ceramics 5200-3200 BCE Early and Middle Neolithic Period So, today we continue our journey. Last time the peninsula got her first inhabitants and most of Finland was settled. Only culture that we briefly mentioned was Somsjärvi culture. Remember? The guys and girls that brought us the new tools, like ball gavel and beveled arrowheads. They lived mostly on coastal regions. In this episode, we'll brush on all of the cultures, but to name them all would be too difficult to follow, boring and pointless for our purposes anyway. Especially without visual aids of what kind of ceramics different cultures produced, and how they differed of each other. So, we're not gonna talk down on details of different ceramics and cultures. We're going to take more general bird's eye view of things. I'll also include everything on show notes, so the interested listeners can do their own more detailed digging on the matter. Today, we cover the early and middle Neolithic periods and continue to the end of Neolithic and beginning of Bronze Age on our next episode. But let's kick things off with another story. Bria lives a peaceful life in southwestern Finland around 3900 BCE in a small nomadic tribe of 30 members. They live and hunt several weeks in the same place and store the surplus catch on the same spot for the coming winter. While they have a nomadic lifestyle, they still bury their dead where they happen to be at the time, but then they move along. 
Their small tribe has a chief and they are famous for their rock paintings. They paint things like boats with people in them or different animals. The paintings are believed to bring good hunting luck and it's a good way to express themselves. And this is how Priya spends her early life. She is the only living sibling of her family. Both of her brothers died in clashes with other tribes and her sister passed away to some illness. Once in a while they get traders from other tribes or even villages from farther away. Today she meets one such trader. Mord is trading moose and seal furs to amber jewelry and different ceramic objects. He shows them to her and in good Hollywood fashion they fall in love and before Mord realizes he has stayed behind of his band to spend summer with Priya's tribe. When summer is ending, Priya asks her chief if she might go and live with Mord to his village. Chief agrees. After small celebrations around bonfire, they travel together from southwestern Finland to Ostrobotnia. There she sees wonderful new things. Real houses that are long and have two entrances. They even have luck foundation and two hearts, so they are relatively warm even at winter. Village chief is different too. He has something on his wrists that Priya has never seen before. Mord is not sure what they are, but he says it's something called copper. Pretty nonetheless. They live happily together until Priya is giving birth to their fourth child. There are some complications and she dies. Mord buries her to their cemetery. She is buried with clay mask on her face and her eyes are covered with amber jewelry. Next to her, they put some offerings to the gods in clay dishes. As we saw from today's story, life didn't change all that much from Mesolithic to beginning of Neolithic period. But there are some differences. Mostly people still lived as hunter-gatherers, but new artifacts were being produced. Housing changed and tribes started to form villages. In bigger picture, change from Mesolithic to Neolithic period epitomized the fact that agriculture began in Europe. In Finland, the beginning of Neolithic period means the introduction of ceramic objects. Ceramics and domesticated animals came with different cultures. No evidence has been found from failed ceramics of the pilot phase. So the process of making ceramics was known from the get-go. Thankfully, the archaeological evidence is multiplied from Neolithic period compared to Mesolithic, so we get more detailed image of peninsulas Again, Finland stayed primarily as hunter-gatherers almost to the end of Stone Age. They still hunted and lived mostly in the same places, though some cultures started to settle down 
the path wasn't straight to sedentary lifestyle. Communities might have gone back to more mobile way of life. Climate stayed warm until the end of Neolithic period. About 1 to 3 degrees Celsius warmer than what it is today. After Neolithic period, the climate started to cool down. Earth's crust still kept rising and that changed the landscape. Especially in Western Finland, where people had to move closer to the shore every 10 to 15 years. So they could still skinny dip from their saunas. Sometimes inland had huge changes too. Like when ancient Lake Saima couldn't hold its waters anymore and Salpaselka, extensive ridge system in southern Finland, burst like the dams in Operation Chastise creating Vuoksi River. That in turn radically dropped the surface of Lake Saima, producing thousands of square kilometers of prime land for all sorts of game. With them came the comb ceramic culture, but more of that later in the episode. We need to cover something else mentioned in previous episode too. The differences between Eastern and Western Finns. I couldn't find a really good place to put this in the later episodes either, so with this really smooth jump, we will cover it here now, as a sort of a tunnel from Stone Age to modern day Finns. East versus West. With DNA research, we are able to create a parental line based on gene integrity. This reveals common father and mother for the parental lines of Finns. Where our first common father and mother came from? Most common father lines, first man in Finland is presumed to be born in Southeast Asia about 23,000 years ago. Over 50% of males are from this line. That line started to expand from China about 4,500 years ago. In Finland, more males from this line live in eastern than western Finland. They are mostly concentrated around Savonia. Another big father line comes from the west, from modern Spain. And, yes, you guessed it. This line is more common in the Western Finland. Mother lines, in the other hand, lean towards Western Europe. 40% of Finnish women belong to the most common mother line from the West. This line came to Europe from Middle East about the same time with the agriculture. Researchers have deduced from this that males came from East and females from the west. This suggests that spouses were fetched from farther afield. Some people's ancestors lived on much wider area that they inhabit nowadays. Arrivals somewhat displaced them and somewhat mixed with them. Genetically, Sami people differ from Finns and from other Europeans. Their genes are mostly from Northern Norway, 
Some researchers say that Sami as a spoken language wasn't replaced by the new arrivals until at the Iron Age, about 1500 years ago. Intriguing fact is that Finn's DNA reveals distinct differences in Eastern and Western population. Difference is so clear that no other European country has a gap this big in their genes. The separating line goes through Finland pretty much along the lines of Treaty of Nöteborg, 1323, when Sweden and Novgorod divided Finland between them. It runs from Vasa in the northwest to Lappeenranta in southeast. Same line divides cardiovascular disease commonality. Eastern Finland has more of those than the Western. You can add dialect, culture and religion to that dividing line also. We have more Lutherians in the West and Orthodox in the East. Culturally, the line can be seen, for example, in agriculture. Western Finland adopted farming early and it also has a lot of good farmland. Eastern Finland, on the other hand, used slash and burn technique and the farmland is rocky. Farming methods also influenced the size of the families and communities. Slash and burn agriculture required a lot of workforce. So bigger families. They had more than one generation and household living in one building or a cottage. This might explain their sociability and a sense of community. If we jump a little bit forward in time, we'll also see that the Finnish industrialization in the 19th century happened mostly in western cities. Cities like Tampere, Oulu and Turku. Still today, migration from the east to the west is greater than vice versa. It's like Juha Hurme brings out in his excellent book Niemi that Henrik Gabriel Porthan, aka Finnish Livi, knew this when he said in the 18th century after visiting Kuopio, city in the east, and comparing it to Turku, western Finland, that people from Kuopio and Turku are two different people. Dwellings and culture in early and middle Neolithic period. If we look at the dwellings, most of Finland in early Neolithic period still lived in light huts or portable ones. People still lived near waterways, usually on gentle slopes that faced south. They still moved to different places after nutritional resources that they preserved for winter in their winter dwellings. Fish and mushrooms were dried, meat smoked and berries soured. Keskierik Near Oulu at Ylikiiminki has one of the most fascinating villages of all Nordic countries. There is a village dating back to 4000 BCE. It has about 140 distinct depressions on the ground. 
biggest of them are 15 meters long. It is believed that the village was used for about 160 years, each hut lasting 10 to 30 years. So Kierikki lasted a long time. At any given time, there might have been around 100 people living in Kierikki. Dwellings were so close to each other in the area that suggests that they had some sort of palisade around them. Villages dressed in leather and wore feathers and amber jewelry that traders brought from south. Traders got both full of seal furs and fat in return. So it is believed that Kierikki was a busy hub for commerce since it is situated by a river that runs to the ocean. Åland Åland is an archipelago in Baltic Sea off the coast of southwest Finland. First settlers came here around 5000 BCE, in the beginning of Neolithic period from southwestern Finland. The cultures of these two places resemble each other. At first, they might have been there only periodically, but later settling permanently. Later in the Neolithic period, Swedes too found this a good place to sunbathe and hunt seals. Southwest Finland. Later in early Neolithic period, Southwest Finland developed so-called Jäkärlän group. A kind of a mixed bag. They most likely differed from other cultures of the period, because on the other hand, they had adapted the ritual of burying their deceased where they lived, but still lived nomadic lifestyles. We have evidence of permanent settlements on just two places, and in them just two or three huts, and only one of them had a hearth, home of our stories Priya. Ostrobotnia. Mord's region was a really interesting place at this period. They took a head start from the other cultures, later coming to head with battle axe culture, which we will hear more on the next episode. Spoiler, it involves stone enclosures called giant churches and maybe our first conflict. Their culture was characterized by longitudinally struck slate objects like pickaxes, axes and chisels. Later in the middle period, most of peninsula's permanent settlements are also found from Ostrobotnia. They had three or four layers of logs as a foundation in their dwellings. Villages in Ostrobotnia usually had around five to ten huts. Eastern Finland. People in Eastern Finland had a central hub consisting of three to seven huts and a smaller seasonal habitation around it. In Middle Neolithic period, this area saw the birth of comb ceramic culture. New population came from east or southeast to this dried up Lake Saima region. Signs of log foundations and more sedentary lifestyle. 
Only Eastern Finland and Ostrobotnia had permanent dwellings at this point. Northern Finland In north, settlers started to move back to more of a nomadic lifestyle and living spaces were used for a shorter time than before. Later in middle period, they mostly used round structures with light framework. Livelihood To farm or not to farm? That is the question. Coastal regions shifted mainly to hunt seals. Inland had a seals too, but mostly deers and moose and fishes like pike and perch. Pit hunting evolved to active version, which meant that the game was driven actively towards series of pits, sometimes kilometers long with hundreds of pits, instead of covering just few pits and hoping the game would fall in. In autumn, smaller groups also gathered together to hunt with fences. They would create these smaller guiding fences to trap animals in larger enclosures. There hasn't been unambiguous evidence of starting date for farming, but it is dated to the Stone Age, most likely to the very end of it. First bulletproof evidence comes from 2300 to 2000 BCE. We will cover this in more detail on our next episode. Commerce In early and middle Neolithic period, goods to Finland mostly came by sea to coastal regions. Things like arrow and spearheads, knives and amber jewelry. Locals then traded these to moose and seal furs, which were warmer, better quality and prettier than those of southern animals due to the colder temperature. Especially in later Neolithic period, when climate started to cool down. Spiritual culture. Besides hunting, trading and hugging and kissing, what else did the people do in Neolithic period? Well, people continued to make paintings. They are mostly found from eastern Finland. In total, we have around 140 known rock paintings. Youngest paintings are dated to early metallurgy period, circa 1000 BCE. Curious detail is that first ever found rock painting was found in 1911 by Finland's very own national composer Jean Sibelius from Witserg near Kirkkonummi, southern Finland. It was also the only rock painting found from Finland until 1963. Usually they were painted near water, so shaman could enter the underworld through the water and meet with the dead. People were buried more and more to the ground, typically to the depth of 30 to 50 centimeters. They still used red ochre engraves, but now adding things like clay masks and amber jewelry. 
And with that, we have to wrap this episode up. Join us on our next episode, where we conclude the Neolithic period and have a summary of what has happened so far on our peninsula. Remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and if you have any questions or feedback, you can find us on Twitter and or email to us on the HOF podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Ta-ta.